Welcome, 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 mi gente, to the 27th Man Podcast. With your boy, Baypotone. You can catch me on Twitter at B-A-S-E-B-A-L-L-T-O-N-E, Baseball Tone. And this is episode two. Uh, episode two, yesterday uh, I, made a, I dropped an episode on Christmas Day, uh, which was more of an introductory episode under a different name. Uh, it was called uh, Baseball Thoughts of Baseball Tone. But uh, I kind of wanted to like make a little more snazzy, the name a little more snazzy. So here we are. With episode two, a continuation with a new name, a new logo, uh, we'll keep growing. That's just part of the efforts is growing. You know, nothing is perfect on the first first go. But here we are to talk Mets baseball. So the 27th Man Podcast, remember that. It's going to be 90% Mets, 10% baseball, although this episode is going to be all Mets. So uh, if you listen to this, wherever you're listening to it from, give it a like, give it a follow, subscribe to the, whatever channel this is uploaded to. Uh, it's audio only podcast, and you could go ahead and share this, you know, with your friends, your friends, friends, your friends, 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 and your friends, family, your family, your family's family, whoever you want to share with that loves Mets baseball and wants to hear a more realistic view on uh, Mets baseball rather than uh, outlandish takes uh, that seem to be. Grabbing a hold on to the world these days uh, with media and all that good things. But anyway, that's, that's not a shot uh, here. Not a, uh, Just to reintroduce myself, my name is Tone. Uh, and I'm pretty much an optimistic guy. So I'm, I'm going to spread some optimism today. So we're going to talk 26-man roster um, because I think it's an important topic to talk about. I think it's something that I know a lot of Mets fans are... Worried about after the Yamamoto swing and miss, um. So so let's do it. Let's let's, let's get right into it. So my twenty six man roster is essentially what's on the what's on the roster today. It's not additions. I, I will talk about what I would like to see or ways that I could see this roster improving. But it it is not based on predictions. Uh, it's not based on they should sign this guy. They should sign that guy. I'm not going to play that game with this 26-man roster with this with this roster i'm going to play this straightforward this is what it just might look like come opening day so just a couple caveats i'm going to leave two bullpen spots open and i'm going to leave one bench spot open and i'm going to explain why in a second so we'll go ahead and start with the beautiful thing that is our starting pitching and uh with all these holes let's try and fill it with what we got uh on the 40 man so how I see this working out is we're looking at Sanga uh, as our ace, whether you like it or not. I know some people are vehemently against it. Sanga pitched a 2.89 ERA. Uh, once you figured out how to grip the ball and, and figured out the mound and the pitch clock and all that, that's that's a guy who's here to stick around. If they were going to make adjustments, they would have made it in season. I don't see, you know, they're, they're professionals. You don't need a whole year to to make an adjustment. I, I think the adjustment could be made that same season, especially when he did it against the same foes he's seen 15 times, or, you know, majority of the time. But So I got saying that one. So now here's where it gets tricky is a 2-3 part. So let's say for this exercise that Luis Severino is the number two, assuming that he's healthy, or assuming that he could give you, you know, at least 20 to 23 starts. Um, I don't think that's asking for a lot. I think that's asking with expectations that somewhere down the line he will get hurt. Um, so you look at Luis Severino at number two. Number three, uh, we're looking at uh, Jose Quintana. 
in this scenario, while I do rather Keaton around the four, I think three, you know, we get the innings either, we get a guy who we know we're going to get. I always been consistent through, and, you know, of course, you know, when he comes to the Mets, he gets hurt, but uh, he's been pretty consistent his whole career, which is why he got signed for the two-year deal, because we needed consistency in this rotation, and he showed that once he started to get rolling. So, number four, uh, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say we're going to have Adrian Hauser at the number four spot. The the big trade by Stearns, the big, the big, uh, the big money ball trade right there, but, uh, you know, we'll have Adrian Hauser uh, in the number four spot. Once again, another guy, you kind of know what you're going to get. Uh, he's going to be he's gonna be a middle-of-the-road guy. You know, he's a guy who will pitch closer to a four, sometimes over a four, but, you know, he'll get you through some tough innings. He'll eat some innings, and, you know, that's a, that's a guy that everybody lauded this trade, uh, applauded the trade, I should say. Oh, lauded the same. I don't know. Applauded the train, uh, trade, but so now the five spot is a tricky spot. Uh, we're looking at uh, Miguel, um, we're looking at Lucchese, and we're looking at Budo for that five spot. So I'll start by saying, um, once again, this is just what we have. This isn't projections. So if you want to talk about six-man rotation, it's not happening with uh, without a second Japanese pitcher, in my opinion. I think they stick to a five. Uh, but uh, for this, so for this exercise, we're going to do a f- uh, stick with five. Um, so I think at the five spot, it's going to be. More of a battle between Lucchese and Miguel. And I think Lucchese wins that job. Uh, I think, you know, there's a chance that Miguel could could win it because he did develop a fork ball towards the end of the season. And the pitching laps seem to have helped him greatly. So, uh, 50-50. I just changed my own mind. All right, so we'll go with Miguel at the five spot. So we'll go with Miguel five. And we'll have Lucchese as, as a spot, spot starter type of guy and a long reliever. From the left side, which gives us a second left 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 handed option out the bullpen for now. Uh, remember Peterson isn't back till midseason. So now we're looking at Jose Budo. So Budo, I think he's a guy that if he'll get you through an order twice. I think that third time is where he gets shaky. Um looking looking at his numbers and seeing where he starts to struggle. And so he's the type of guy where you you expect he could he could give some long relief option or if it's a bullpen game, he could give you those three four really really solid innings. It's past that four that I get worried about when it comes to him, but he is developing. He is growing as a pitcher. He did last year. Um, and once again, the pitching lab is a huge thing. Uh, I don't I don't think we're talking about it enough. Um, there was an interview done. I believe the guy's name on Twitter is Ernest Dove, where he did with a minor leaguer, and he was uh, going over what the lab is like and how um, they just pretty much monitor every inch of your body on every single pitch, on every single throw, just to understand what your torque is, what your power, your push-through is, and and how you could correct certain things to throw certain pitches and and so it's see everybody seems to be excited about it. Uh, it's it's pretty much whatever pitching lab you've ever heard of in your life. Uh, this is it on steroids. That's what that's what uh, Cohen invested in. So that gives me seven, right? So we're looking at Sanga, Severino, Quintana. Uh, we're looking at Hauser, Miguel as five, Lucchese and Budo. We're at seven. So, at the back end, of course, we have Diaz. 
thank God he's back. Uh, hopefully he's he's healthy uh, and good, and he's the same Diaz as old. But so we have Diaz as our nine. We have Rarely is going to be our setup man in this uh, scenario, and Rarely could pitch against both lefties and righties. Uh, I don't believe that. You know, first off, we're entering uh, an era of a game where the lefty specialist is uh, kind of going out the window. Although you do you do have it against a left-handed uh, heavy. Uh, lineup that you're going up against, you know, you bring the lefty in to get three outs because it's three in a row, whatever. But but I think we're seeing more and more lefties being starting to pitch to everybody. So we're looking at so 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 we're looking at a really as as a setup guy for Diaz, right? So that gives us nine guys. So the tenth guy is going to be a uh, Jorge Lopez. And I think Jorge Lopez, uh, if he could figure out what he did uh, in Baltimore a couple of years ago, if they could unlock that, he could be another type of setup guy. But we'll give him the seventh, uh, seventh inning spot for now. So that gives us 10 guys, right? So the one the one more guy I will say, I know we traded for Johan Ramirez. Uh, I know we have Drew Smith. And I'm going to hit you guys with a shocker here. I'm, I'm going to hit you guys with a shocker. I'm going to say... And then I might I might be off base because I don't know the health of Monte Stayoka. So and I don't have a computer in front of me. I'm kind of just doing this, you know, off the top of my mind, just talking to you guys, chit-chatting. So I think that if Monte Stayoka is healthy enough, he wins that he comes out of left field and he wins that he wins that spot. Um, which gives two more places to fight for. If not, maybe that spot just sticks to Drew Smith. I think that's more realistic. So that get that that sits us at eleven, and then we will have two more bullpen arms, and I'll let those guys fight it out. Uh, Johan Ramirez, um, Michael Tonkin, uh, Andre the Andre Scrubs of the world, and and the list goes so on and so on, and everybody that they signed. Um, so we're so we're looking at that, and and we're so that's pretty much my 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 starting and bullpen. I think it's hard to project those last two because I think it's going to be optionable guys. Um, cause it's hard to, to start a guy up here without options because then we're talking, you know, DFA and waivers and all that good stuff. And that's, that's not how you want to start off a season is, is by, you know, DFA and guys right away. Uh, you know, when, when they're not, uh, integral to the, the, excuse me, integral to the bullpen. So that gives us 13 right there. So we're looking at 13 guys. You pick the last two, use your imagination, work with me here. So now let's go to the infield. At catcher, we're going to have one, Mr. Francisco Alvarez. That's 14 guys. At first base, we're going to have Pete Alonzo. That's 15 guys. Second base, here's the shocker, and here's the drum roll. Second base, Joey Wendell. I know, not, not what you guys want to hear, but based on what we have right now, Joey Wendell. So, Joey Wendell's at your second base, right? So, we're at 15. Shortstop, of course, is going to be the Franquico Lindor. I was terrible. I don't know why I just said that. Francisco Lindor. But anyway, <laughs> that's going to be a shortstop. And at third base, we're going to have Brett Beatty. So, the outfield is where it gets interesting for me. But uh, being that we have one that second, we have one that second for a reason, ladies and gents. It's because Jeff McNeil will be in left field. So Jeff McNeil will be in left field, and then I'll be. It gives us twenty, right? I think my math is still up. 
Um, and then center field, of course, Brandon Nemo, and then a healthy stalling Marte at right field, who we hope and pray can be that same stalling Marte we signed uh, for the 2022 season. If he's fully healthy and not walking around with uh, double groin surgery and somehow playing and the team allowing him to play in whatever that madness was. Um, so hopefully he's fully healthy. He seems fully healthy in all those dancing videos he's putting up, you know, with his wife. Shout out to him for getting married. Um, but yeah, so it's Don Monte. So now, now we have the bench, right? So we're sitting at what is that? Twenty twenty two, I think. Ah, oh, I lost train of thought. Lost train of thought. Train track. Blah, blah, blah. I lost my track of thought. But anyway, so now, of course, as a backup catcher, we are going to have a one. Omar Nevarez at DH. We're gonna have a Mark Vientos. And we're going to have DJ Stewart, who is also to be the fifth outfielder. Our fourth outfielder will be Tyrone Taylor. And our all-around infielder will be Mr. Jose Iglesias. He has the glove. He could play it all. Uh, becomes the next Luis Guillaume uh, for the Mets. And I think the one outlier here is the Cooper Hummel to see what he does. Uh, I think he may get a shot. But if Cooper Hummel happens, then that'll happen instead of one, um, instead of Jose Iglesias. So I, I think that, you know, those are your 1A, 1B choices. That's kind of your 26 man uh, making this roster. But it's going to be a long time uh, before the regular season comes. It's going to be a long time before we see. Uh, pitches and catchers report. I think we have yeah about a, more than a month uh, to go. We're gonna see pitcher pitches and catchers uh, report, and then before the game starts. So there's still a lot of off season to happen. Still a lot of off season to happen. You know, my the overall the over under number was eighty three and a half. That was given by Vegas, and I'm confident enough to say with the pitching lab with Eric Chavez back as a hitting coach. And they expected riding up the ship for Pete Alonso um, and Jeff McNeil. And another year, Francisco Alvarez getting better and, and not chasing so much and striking out so much. And the power continues to grow. I have no faith in Beatty, but that's just me. But, you know, another year of growth. And I think this team, as is, is about an 83-84-1 team. <clears throat> so, I did... So in Twitter, there's this thing called Spaces where we talk baseball. So I I I, I had said this in there, and and I had I had said this in other places whenever I talk Mets baseball. Eighty four wins is the number because last year, both teams, the Marlins and the Diamondbacks, back then were eighty four wins. The year before, uh, in twenty twenty two, when the third wild card just started, Philly, I believe, had eighty seven wins, but. If you look in 2021, although there was no third wild card, that third wild card spot would have been occupied by the Cincinnati Reds at 83 wins. So the number shows you that 83-84 is a good number to be around if you want to back into the wild card, if you want to remain competitive, which I think these boys could do. And as we all know, once you get into the playoffs, anything can happen. And I also just want to say this. 
this roster is currently constructed, even with holes, to me, is still a more dangerous lineup, a more dangerous roster than what we saw of the Miami Marlins of last year who won 84 games. Especially with Diaz coming back, uh, that that solidifies our bullpen. Um, you know, it, it, of course, everything depends on health. Everything depends on hoping guys come through. Everything depends on everything has to go right. But the reality is, is you know, for those that say, well, we can't depend on everything to go right. We can't depend on on things to happen like this. But you know, the thing is that you know why I have that mentality is because in 2023, everything that could go wrong for the New York Metropolitans went wrong. Every single thing that could go wrong went wrong, whether it be fielding, hitting, starting pitching, bullpen, whatever Buck did. I don't know. I'm still I'm still mad about Buck Schultz even being hired in the first place, but he's not here anymore, so that's neither here nor there. But um, so everything that could go wrong last year went wrong. So when it comes down to it, why not? Why can't everything that could go right go right? You know, why can't why can't we have that side of the spectrum too? Although in twenty twenty two it did in a sense. A lot of things went our way, but unfortunately it was a starting pitching that faltered towards the end. And you could argue with the wall if you think I'm wrong. I, you know, when you have a two zero lead, you expect your ace to hold a two zero lead or two one lead. That's why they're an ace. That's why you get paid. That type of money you get paid. So talk to a wall if you want to talk about bats letting you down, whatever. I hold the one zero lead, hold the two two zero lead. Uh, I don't think that's much to ask for when we're talking about aces. You know, if it was a number five guy, sure, I got you. you got to score more, but you know, this is how baseball works, man. People get paid the way they get paid to be at the top of their game, at the biggest parts of the game. And unfortunately, started pitching didn't do that towards the end of last year. And with that said, you know, I got faith, man. I, I, I got a lot of faith in this team. I got a lot of faith in what is it that I'm seeing being built. Um, I think Stearns has a plan. And I will continue believing that plan until it's time not to believe in that plan. You know, Cohen showed us the world when he get, when he spent over $400 million on his team last year. I know, I know people want to cry. Uh, Wolf or whatever it is because we didn't get Yamamoto. Although we saw Cohen fly to Japan, we saw Titi Cohen make that man dinner in her house. And they, they put an all-out press for the guy. They offered him the most money just for the Dodgers to match. And I, I said this before, I'll say it again, I'll say it to him blue in the face. The Mets could have offered $400 million. He was going to go back to the Dodgers and say, hey, can you match this? And the Dodgers would say, yeah, we'll match it. And they would have did whatever they had to do to match it. So think what you want to think. This isn't on Cohen. Uh, the, the losing faith in Stearns, I don't get it. It just started. They, You know, they said this was some sort of transition year where you could stay competitive. And I, and I think you can stay competitive. Um, you know, I think this is a year where we might see uh, an Acuna come up a little earlier than expected. Uh, this might see a, this might be a year where we see a Drew Gilbert um get bounced up to triple a quicker and and make it to the bigs probably by june um depending on how spring training goes you know there's a lot you know i know the ronnie mauricio injury throws a lot uh into throws a lot of monkey wrench into plans but i got faith man i got faith i don't know what the guy you guys to tell you like 
you know, I know there's a bunch of naysayers out here uh, who constantly, constantly just want to find everything bad and how old oh, they were punting on the year, whatever. Like, they're still putting a roster together. If they were punting on the year, they say every single kid will come up. I, I think, I think whether you want to hear it or not, the Tyrone Ta- uh, Taylor and the Adrian Hauser trade um, kind of shows that the Mets are trying to find ways. Because I don't know if you saw the article. I think it was the Athletic that might have released it. The, uh, the Mets had a hundred million dollar luxury tax penalty last year. I think the next closest was forty mil. Like they spent, man, and they're tired of getting burned. And if you look at this free agent market, there's really nothing to sign like uh, like that uh, outside of maybe a Teoscar Hernandez. So with that segue in a free agent, let's talk about free agents. Starting pitchers, I say this all the time. You can miss me with Blake Snell at 30 mil, 35 mil. It just doesn't make sense. And I'll say it till I'm blue in the face till he gets signed. With runners on last year, he got out at a record 87.1% of the time. He got out of those jams. The league average was 71%. 71%. He's not going to stay like that forever. He's such an up-and-down pitcher. He'll have two amazing Cy Young years, and then he'll just, that's it, you know, and then he'll just go back to being kind of, eh, a number three guy is essentially what he'll be. So if you ask me, well, Tom, what is it that you would do? I'll tell you what I would do. With being realistic here, not because I think they're already out on Jordan Montgomery. So I'm, I'm going to be realistic. I wanted Lugo. Lugo ended up going to the Royals. Shout out to him. My, my boy, Puerto Rican, uh, getting getting his opportunity to, to shine and, and to start and be an integral part of that young that young team um, out there and helping, you know, guide him through a weak, weak AL Central division. So for me, then, then it becomes, all right, who else is on the board? You got a guy like a Michael Lorenzen who would take a one-year deal. Not ideal. I know. And nobody, a lot of people are going to hate me for saying this, but I'm I'm starting to get on that Lucas Giolito train. I, I'm on that choo-choo, Lucas Giolito, choo-choo. Uh, that should be a jingle if y'all listening out there. But anyway, Lucas Giolito seems to be that guy that who would come in on a cheaper one-year deal as a prove-it deal. Although I know I have many suitors because, let's face the facts, last year was was a horrid season for him. Last year was a terrible season for him. Also, let's face the facts, the man got traded, was going through a divorce. Um, Everything that that was bad in his life that could have happened, happened. And that has an effect on how you play. Believe it or not, it's hard to shake things like that. I don't care how professional you want to say you are, whatever. Just think about it. Like, you're, you're going to work and... You're in the midst of a divorce. You have, you know, whatever your situation is. And I know some people out there have, have experienced this. Like, it's hard. It's hard to focus when somebody's the love of your life and, and they just up and leave. Or it just doesn't work out. You know, so so you just, he had a bad year. He had a bad year. And I know the year before might have been a little subpar. But his track record shows that when his head's in the game, he's good. He's a solid player. And that's the type of guy I'd give a two-year deal to. I give two years, uh, two, two for 30, uh, give him at 15 per, or maybe a one plus one, you know, type of option, you know, with a vesting third, um, player option with a, with a vesting third, you know, it's, there's, there's ways I, I think Giolito could, could do wonders for this rotation and he would slot right into a number two. 
as far as his bullpen pieces go, um, I think David Robinson should be the guy you try to bring back on another one, you know, seven to ten million dollar deal to do what he originally wanted to do, which was pitch behind Edwin Diaz. I think what we saw in Miami was just a result of once again mental health, mental psyche, and he just went to Miami and he didn't want to. He didn't want to get traded. He said it multiple times, multiple, multiple times. He didn't want to get traded. And he got traded, and it just didn't work out over there. Um, you know, so that's a guy that that I anticipate um, as as a candidate to come back. Uh, if not, if you want to go younger, I would say a guy like Yadier Rodriguez. Although I know that the Mets don't seem to be in on him for whatever reason, but that would be a good piece uh, to bring in. So yeah, you have a guy like Yadier, and then you have the other guy. Uh, out of Korea, the Sukgu guy, I think I think his last name is uh, Young Holy's uh, brother-in-law, something like that. There's options. Um, do I think they'll go after one of those bullpen options? I don't see it. I, I don't, until until proven otherwise, I don't see it. I think getting another starter is way more realistic, uh, like a Lucas Giolito. And if you look down the list of starters, just before we get off the starter topic. If you look down the list, there is a very, very, very long list of poverty, <laughs> and, and 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 I'm sorry to sound like uh, disrespectful, but like we're we're not gonna get an ace on this list. And next year, we heard about Zach Wheeler gonna get locked down, but next year is just a bunch of 35 plus year old guys who are gonna be looking to get paid. You know, you trade for Corbin Burns, okay, maybe you go go outside and Corbin Burns, okay, I see it. But like the Justin Bieber's, uh, a guy, there's a guy on Twitter named, uh, his Twitter name is Kicking It With Keith. Uh, he's also a host of Shane Sons, a co-host. And he's talked about how Shane Bieber's uh, velo has gone down almost every year. Is that something we, we really need at this stage? Is this something that the pitching lab could cure, fix? I don't know. You know, so 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 what else are we looking at here? So, you know, I know people I mentioned for this year, Clayton Kershaw, which I find it absolutely downright comical. Um, I know the Mets have been in talks with Brandon Woodruff from reports that I've read, which would be interesting because it is a shoulder injury, not an arm injury. And once you show the goals, it kind of goes. Trust me when I say that one. But then again, he has just a little bit more money than I do for rehab. So we don't know how that's going to work. But uh, that's, that's a scary uh, sign if they do that. Clayton Kershaw also, like I said, he's coming back midseason. If we're going to wait for a guy to come back midseason, you might as well wait on David Peterson. I, I, don't, I, don't, see the, I don't see the enticement of uh, Clayton Kershaw on this Mets roster. I don't. But besides that, you know, then we go to the free agent market in, in, in the outfield infield. I know people are going to hear this and they're going to get a laugh when I say Matt Chapman, but if we could get Matt Chapman on a two-year high AAB contract, I would do that as a bridge guy. Um, cause of, cause of the pop, you're not, you don't, you'll get the, you don't, you don't get average, you don't get strikeouts, you'll, you'll get strikeouts, but it's cause of the pop. It's the pop potential. You know what I mean? We need that. The guy had 27 home runs. It was 27, 27, 17. We need that pop potential with Gold Glove defense. 
If not, you also got a guy like Joe Ursula. I, I I don't have faith in what's going on with the, I know I'm Mr. Optimistic, but I don't have faith with, uh, with Beatty at third base. I just don't, especially after the comment that he made is saying the brights are too, uh, the, the lights are too bright. I just don't see it. I don't get it. Uh, I don't. Uh, when a guy has that mentality, that's a def- you're defeated. No matter what you do and try to do, you're defeated. So the first time you get booed, the first time you make a big error, you're you're defeated, and then you keep on pressing at every other part of your game to not make an error, and all you do is mess up. That's what he did last year. He got defeated. So what do we do at third base? I think third base is actually a very, very... Uh, it's probably the biggest issue on this team right now. Because either you sign a guy long-term or you wait next year, maybe hope Alex Bregman's on a free agent market or or figure that out. And this is why I say, like, the, the Correa not signing here was devastating to me uh, for this reason. Not only not only because I'm Puerto Rican and I would love to see a Lindor Correa left side of the infield, but, like, Correa would have solidified the third base for a long time. The same way Lindor solidified shortstop for a long time. Sorry if you're hearing the sirens, ladies and gents. I'm, I'm in the beautiful Bronx, so you know how that goes. But I think that you you have to find a solution at third. Um, I don't think it comes from within. I, I, I do think that a guy like Gio Oshella is somebody you could take a flyer on. Um, but we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes. And, and my biggest need... No, third base is my biggest need, but but there's one thing I want to say. You need protection for Pete Alonso. I'm sorry. Pete Alonso, and I'll say this to him blue in the face, is a generational power hitter. Most home runs and RBIs since he's been in the league in the past two years, I think if, if I'm not mistaken, has either the most or like the top three most of game-winning or game-tying hits. Like this is a guy you keep in New York first off, and only imagine if he w- if he knew he wasn't the last line of defense. You know, everybody wants to talk about these power hitters. Everybody wants to talk about Juan Soto. Look what Juan Soto had in that lineup with San Diego. Look what Juan Soto had in twenty you know in twenty nineteen that World Series team. And I'm not taking anything away from Juan Soto because I would love to see Juan Soto in a Mets uniform, but he always had a potent lineup around him, and that means something. The night, the the late '90s Yankees, that was a dynasty, which is gross, which is gross to say. What did they have? A potent lineup. They had protection all throughout that lineup. The Astros, all these seven years, what did they have? Of all these World Series runs and these these trips to the ALCSs, they had. A lineup, a potent lineup, or one through one through nine, one through seven, whatever you want to call it, one through seven, I'll say. Matt Olson just came off the best year of his career. What does Matt Olson have that Pete doesn't? Protection. And Pete even still on a down year, knocked forty six home forty six homers out out the park, and being hurt. Because we all forget that he got hit on the wrist, and that kind of things kind of went downhill with that. What does Freddie Freeman have in Los Angeles that Pete Alonso doesn't have? I'll let everybody guess this one. Protection. It's the name of the game, man. It's how you're supposed to treat your star hitters. Uh, how you're supposed to help your star hitters. You know, Vogelback wasn't the protection that Pete needed. Francisco Alvarez, maybe. 
Francisco Alvarez, if if he could get his averages uh up, his bat to ball skills up a little bit better, and the power continues to grow to where he turns into a thirty home run type guy, then maybe that's the protection you have if you want to go in house. Maybe maybe right now Vientos is the protection you have. Uh, you know, get, giving him consistent at bats. But I, I feel I feel protection got to be found somewhere. Uh, he, Pete has yet to play without him. Pete is still led in homers and RBIs, and and he's done his thing. And you could say, well, I, I know there's there's Pete detractors out there for whatever reason, because I don't know, I don't even know why anybody could be a Pete Alonso detractor, but it is what it is. But you need protection for the man. You need to pay the man, franchise first baseman, pay him. You have Lindor, you have Nimmo, you have Sanger, Locke and Alvarez. That's, that's what, six guys that you have locked in for a while? Do you have DS, seven? Like, that's that's what a core of a team is supposed to be, not your your stars leaving, not, you know, you keep you keep the guys that mean the most to your team because it's about changing the attitude and the culture and the mentality of a team. You don't let go of your best power hitter. I'm sorry. You you don't you simply can't replace the power that Pete generates. And I know people say, Oh, you could do it with two people. You can't you can't do it with two people. You can't that that's still not you not now that's a that's a that's a wish and a prayer. Yeah, you you're better off sending a, a letter off to uh Santa Claus and hoping he replies back to you from the North Pole. Speaking of which, I hope everybody had a Merry Christmas. I hope everybody had a happy holiday. Um, and you guys had great times with your families and got everything in the world that your heart desired. But yeah, maybe Teoscar Hernandez is that guy. Teoscar probably also want a four-year deal, which I'm okay with. I'm okay with a long deal for Teoscar because Teoscar's 30. Lindor, Alonzo. And Nimmo all 30, if I'm not mistaken. Let them grow up together. Let them grow old together. Who'll be the perfect guy you let grow old with this roster? I'm also a proponent of trying to find a way to trade for Jose Berrios. I know people want to talk about, oh, his contract. Like His contract isn't that ugly. It's not that bad. He's getting paid on the back end at 30, age 33, uh, 34. Um, he's getting paid, I think, 24 mil. If you got, if you look at the guy's numbers outside of one year, uh, his his FIP, his ERA plus is always near uh, above average or, or or towards more better. I think if you look at his numbers compared to Blake Snell's, just to throw it out there, his ERA plus has been more consistently higher than Blake Snell's ERA plus. The FIPs have been similar. I know everybody wants to live off a ERA. Oh, you the ERA? No, 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 three three point five. Oh, blah blah blah. If I look at the, you gotta look at advanced stats when you want to talk baseball. Advanced stats show you a whole, a whole picture. Advanced stats show you a whole picture. So that picture is your ERA plus, your FIP, your WHIP, your strikeouts per nine, your walks per nine, so on, so on. But those are the main ones, main ones that I use. And and if you look at what Berrios has. His is average. His lines up with a Montgomery. His, his numbers line up with, uh, his numbers line up with the, uh, with the Snell, or or free agents now. 
He's not a top-tier guy, but he's a number three guy. Be perfect for this rotation. Wholeheartedly. I think he'd be perfect for this rotation. But, you know, you go, you get a Teoscar. You go and get a... You go and get a Teoscar. Um, maybe trade a guy like a McNeil for a Berrios Plus to come back where it's two guys getting traded with control. You know, it's time to change the narrative of, the, of, of this team and the mindset of this team. It shouldn't be about how much somebody's getting paid to come here. It should be because somebody wants to come here. And I know everybody wants to get paid. And I'm just speaking to the quiet because I, I'm the first one to say it's all about the money and nobody really cares about the team. But if you trade for guys who have control, it makes you more of a destination because guys have control. That's how that's how you create a culture in a clubhouse. You build a form, you make your solid trades, and and you have guys who are going to be here for a long time because these one and done years kill kill mindsets. It's not good. It's not healthy for a clubhouse. Yeah, a glue guy to come in and show a guy, sure, but a bunch of one year deals because you know as as a player that from this year to the next year it's going to be such a high turnover rate of players that it makes it difficult. To, to kind of like gain that team chemistry or that cohesion. Because for some teams, sometimes it takes a whole season to gain that cohesion. And then you lose it all of a sudden in the offseason. Now you got to figure it out again. You know, at baseball, baseball is a team game. Yes, you have your stars, but baseball is a team game. So I'm, I'm looking at the Mets to, to make this a proper team again like in 2022 when guys were in the dugout studying each and every single pitch when Tyron Walker Chris Bassett Scherzer uh, DeGrom you, you know were all sitting next to each other Peterson Miguel were all sitting next to each other huddled going after every single pitch and, and breaking down and analyzing which which was absent in 2023 but yeah that's my 26-man roster. Those are my thoughts. And let me know what you think. Comment, drop a like, follow. Once again, this is the 27th-man podcast. We're talking 90% Mets. We're talking 10% baseball. Battle. It's 100% baseball on this side. Happy holidays. One love. I'll see you all next week.